All right, y'all. I am super excited to have a guest on with me. I don't even want to say guest because guest is just not the appropriate word, but people that you know and love. I mean, personally know and love, you have literally hugged their necks before. You have raced alongside them before and uh, shared tips and and race uh, pre-schedules with, uh, you you know them personally. But uh, while uh, Lisa is in the UK, I have the distinct pleasure of bringing someone on that we've been wanting to bring on for months now. It's just that busy is busy, right? Um, so I have the incomparable Jaja Porter on with me today. And you probably have uh, heard of her through a number of different avenues, but she was our uh, closing keynote speaker at Outspoken and did a phenomenal job um, of sharing her story. And so I'm really glad that Jaja is on with me today. Um, a very cold morning after a very cold, what, 30-something degree run, right, Jaja? Yeah. Yeah, 30 degrees. 30 degrees. I'm Dr. Shauna Payne-Gold, and I go by she, her, her pronouns. And I'm Dr. Lisa Ingefield, and I go by she, her, hers. Welcome to Unfazed, a podcast to disrupt your normal and challenge your brain to go the distance. Uh, well, good morning to you. We're both uh, sipping our coffee and our our Starbucks, but I'm so glad to have you on. This has been a, truly a goal of the podcast for a while now. So how are things with you? Is we know that uh, we, we call each other the bag lady, y'all, because we have so much going on. We need a different bag for each activity that's going on, the food, the training, work, you name it, the kids, so forth. Um, but how are things going for you? Because I know there's been some things that have shifted recently. And, and of course, the loss of a parent just shifts us down to a cellular level. Um, so I just wanted to hear from you. How are you truly? How are you? I am doing well. Thank you. It's so good to see you. And uh, it's such an honor to be here, to be here with your audience. So um, thank you so much for having me. Um, I'm doing well. I, I think as uh, life happens, it's important for your goals to shift and for you to take a moment and determine, you know, what I always tell my kids, what I want to be when I grow up. Um, because I'm still growing and I say mommy is still trying to find herself. And so I'm thankful that God gives me that, you know, allows me to do that. And so I'm excited to be here and talk to you a little bit about it. Oh, yes, yes. We are all trying to figure it out. It's like, you know, it is like that cliche that no one gave us a manual on how to do this. And what's interesting is that for people like us, it's like we're trying to do a number of major things at one time and there are no manuals for any of it. So, yes, yeah. that self-discovery piece is like huge, huge. But, uh, Jaja, I think you and I started at a very similar place where um, I, I go all the way back to Black Girls Run. And actually, even before that, when I was extremely heavy, I would go down into the basement of my house and walk and cry uh, two miles on my treadmill because I was too embarrassed to go out and be with the ladies at Black Girls Run until I actually met them. And then I was like, they wouldn't have cared how, you know, they wouldn't have cared my size. I was the one uh, that overdid my thinking around my weight and, and being self-conscious. But I started with Black Girls Run and that just set me off to another place. And so it sounds like we started in a similar place. Tell me about your experience uh, just getting started with endurance sport. So it's so funny how I got started. It actually, now that you're taking me back, it wasn't with Black Girls Run. My oh. husband loves 
<laughs> he loves to bring this up to me. He's like, cause you didn't start with them. I started with him. Oh. I were actually in the living room. We weren't in the garage or basement, but yes. We, we got a co-host on the podcast today yeah. with the, <laughs> Lisa does too with Comet. It's all good. <laughs> um, we, he and I started with uh, the Sean T videos. If you remember those <laughs> and we used yes. to uh, do stuff at the TV and uh, my husband's in the military. Um, uh, shout out to, um, he was Major Porter, but as of a couple of days ago, he is now uh, Lieutenant Colonel Porter. Breaking and, news, um, congrats. Breaking, breaking news. news. Breaking news. Um, but I started with him in the living room, Shanti videos and all the type of videos because I was embarrassed to go outside. I was like, third baby wasn't fitting in suits. And I was like, I need a change. And so he got up early in the morning. It was still early in the morning. And we got up before the kids got up and we're in the living room and we're doing the videos because I wasn't comfortable getting outside. And then, of course, when he had to take military leave, I was like, oh, my God, I'm by myself. I have to keep this up. I discovered Black Girls Run. I saw them on Facebook and they were outside. And so that's how my journey with Black Girls Run started, of course, because I was like, I need, you know, to do stuff with other ladies, even though I would show up with big Bose headphones and um, <laughs> wasn't really talking to anyone. Um, but I, you know, came out of my shell eventually. But, yeah, I started with my husband in the living room because I was too embarrassed to go outside. So we actually start very similar, very, very similar. Yeah. I, I had lost close to about 60 just in my basement on my treadmill doing my thing. And then once I got to that point, I was like, okay, I can look semi cute in a semi run outfit with the girls in the springtime and go out. But it it was a long time before that point of, of comfort. So I I hear you on that completely. So now given that, tell me, It's almost like a mild addiction when it comes to endurance sport, triathlon, so forth, because, and and I don't take that lightly because I think that it's, for many of us, endurance sport brings routine. Like we know what the schedule is for the week, or we know what we're expected to do, and we know how to check off that list. So how did Sean T turn into multiple iron Black iron, we know it's less than a percent, less than a, a tenth of a percent of all Iron Man uh, that look like you and I. How did we get from there to here? Because let me tell you something, I'm one of those people that's up past midnight stalking you uh, to watch you come across that finish line. Because I said, look, if I don't make it there, I've already lived vicariously through Jaja. But but it's it's a journey, right? Because I've I remember thinking, look, all I want to do is a 5K and I'm up out of here after I had my son, Trey. And next thing I know, I look up and here's a 70.3. Here's another one. And so it just kind of incrementally grew for me. So I'm wondering what your experience was going from those embarrassing moments to now. You know what? I enjoy the community. I enjoy women who come together and say, we can do this. I even enjoy women who say, I could never do this. And I I feel like, you know, we hear a lot of talk. And to me, I'm the one who feels like I need to show you that you can. It's definitely doable. I'm not the fastest person out there. I'm not the quickest, but I will be the person that says, I'm going to get up. I'm going to get up early and I'm going to show you that it's possible. And I think I enjoy being that person that can say, you know what, I, it's not always going to be pretty, but it's doable. 
and it's your journey. You don't have to be the fastest. And if you are the fastest, that's great. Help somebody else get there. And I think that's what I enjoy about the journey. There are so many amazing women I've met along the way. So many women that I stalked and that are like my besties now. <laughs> I remember the first time I met Khadija and Vaughn. Oh my goodness, yes. At races. I met Khadija and uh, Ironman Chattanooga at the 70.3. I met her at the um, expo and I was talking, talking, talking and telling her how much I admired her. She started in her forties and I was talking at least for 15 minutes straight. And then she stopped and said, what's your name? (laughs) I mean, I just love the journey. Um, Mm -hmm. You know, trying to see how far I can go and to Mm -hmm. take myself and my body. And even Mm -hmm. if I don't get to what somebody may think that goal looks like, I enjoy learning about myself and my family and the people around me in the process. So I I think I enjoy so much more sometimes in the finish, to be honest. Yeah. I I have to say after my, after my first 70.3, I have to say, yes. I mean, obviously it was thrilled to make it across the first finish line, Ironman branded finish line, but I think I was just much prouder of, Shauna, look back on umpteen months of training and you did it every single day, every single morning out of, I think it was like six months. I think I only missed one morning workout because I had a kid with an ear infection. When when you can look back and say, if nothing else ever in my life, I gave a hundred percent to this one thing. And if I never do it again, look, I will be on the couch like literally like 600 pound life. Like, but I did that though. And y'all can't tell me nothing. You can't take it away from me. This is what my body was able to accomplish. Um, And it's just, you're right. It is something about that consistency piece. Now, look, kudos to those people that can wake up like three weeks before a full iron and go do it. (laughs) Look, cyborg, go right ahead. Okay. But for the rest of us, I'm very okay with it. And and I, I appreciate your point too, even around, you know, most days we don't feel like doing it, you know, especially for those of us that are early risers, most days we don't feel like doing it. Then you throw in the the emergency, which is bound to happen, especially when you have a family and a business and there's a million reasons not to do it and you do it anyway. It's like this overwhelming feeling of, of pride in a good way. Um, did you find yourself, it sounds like it, but I just want to know directly, did you find yourself being kind of sucked into this vortex of, okay, now that I've done one iron or now that I've done this, I need to uh, keep up with almost keeping up with the Joneses in the endurance sport world. You know, I need to keep up with this person. This person is doing this iron. So I'm going to do that one. This person is doing this marathon. I'm going to do that one. Tell me a little bit about the competition with others alongside possibly the competition with yourself. How did that play out in your mind? You know, I don't really think I'm always looking at what somebody else is going to do. I mean, I have three kids, a husband that travels. So I'm always thinking, how can I get my family involved? And so when I look at a destination race, um, I went through the journey of doing a lot of things here in Charlotte and learning about the community because I'm originally from New York. And so doing mm-hmm. things, races in the community helped me and my family get to know Charlotte better, get to know different areas better, get to know people better. So I wasn't necessarily doing it because I saw 
you know, everybody's going to be here. I want to be here. I wanted to go to a place, even if I wasn't sure if I could physically do it, you know, me and the family haven't been to California together before. Maybe I should do a race there. Or, you know, I'm training right now for Ironman Italy. My husband is stationed there. So, you know, if other people are going to do it, that's great. But it was what I wanted my family for us to do together. Let's take a vacation. I did Chicago triple. Well, my whole family (laughs) went there and did this have, you know, the sprint and everything with me. So I'm, and if it winds up being, you know, there's a lot of people there, that's such a blessing because then we see each other on the course, but the majority of time for me, it's about my family, taking them with me. Where have we never been to before? Like we love Cozumel. I take the kids with me. So it, it's really a destination for the family, not necessarily for, you know, where mm. they're going to be. But of course, when I decide the family's going, then I ask, is anybody else going to be there? <laughs> so that I have friends on the course, you know, that's always exciting for us to do that. So that's right. Yeah. We work it backwards. It's like, all right, this is where I'm going. Anybody else going to be there? Yeah, yeah exactly. This is a goal of mine. This looks fun. Anyone else doing it? Anyone else? Just right. me? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. No, I think that's such a healthy way to go because I realize that some people feel uncomfortable if there's not one person that they know in the course. And I, I get that too, but, you know, not allowing, you know, pressure, good peer pressure, but pressure to determine what your schedule is going to be. I, I love that. And so will this be your kid's first time going to Italy or your first time going to Italy? Um, so we're going on Tuesday. Mm-hmm. Um, that will not be our first time. We have That's my uh, little traveler who's been a few times while my husband's there, but it will be my first time. So I'm, I'm excited. He is the best Sherpa ever. And so that's really why I decided I will do that race um, because he always has my back. He has the checklist. He looks at the course and everything that I need to do. So that that's really my driver there that's having the best support system, which is my husband. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, Absolutely. Now, look, when I, I remember just recalling back to those early social media posts and I looked and I said, oh, my goodness. Jaja is launching a business. I'm talking about a full-blown business here. And she's got a million other things going on. I know she's a military spouse. That's not a game to be played, you know. And and so I I get all of that and was married into a military family. So I I get it, having to hold it down on your own a lot, even though, yes, of course, we like to build up our community, but still being the point on everything. And I'm like, she lost it. Do I need to go check on her? Because that, that's that's a bit much here. Because I know you weren't just sitting on the couch before you decided you were going to launch this business, right? So tell me about it. Because I will say that I am so proud of the Black community, but just in general, those of us that are most uh, deeply affected by food deserts and those of us that are, you know, look... <laughs> soul food okay we live soul food every day where it's like sunday dinner is like death on a plate every weekend but we still keep eating it because it's our traditions it's part of our heritage that we are proud of but yet we have someone like you come along to say hold up yeah you can have that stuff for special occasions and so forth but this is what the day-to-day needs to look like and i'm trying to be out here saving lives so what in the world possessed you to write that business plan, get it out on paper and just make it happen amongst everything else that was going on. Because it, I, I was overwhelmed looking at the social media posts thinking, oh, I need to go help her because, oh, this is not a game, right? I mean, being a 
solopreneur or just in general, being an entrepreneur is not a game at all. And people need to take it seriously. And I know you did because you're a very considerate person. You don't just do things willy nilly. So how did this happen? How did this happen? Well, I mean, I just felt like I have so many friends that are either in the service or that worked in hospitals and um, they, or they were working in a supermarket, right? The people, the day-to-day people who were keeping us alive had a job to do. And I was like, well, I work in corporate America. I, you know, I work in finance. I work in the digital space, but I'm at home. And I just didn't feel like I was doing anything to help our community during the pandemic. It was me Mm -hmm. taking a moment, you know, talk about the man in the mirror, kind of Michael Jackson song. And like, what are you doing besides watching the news and, you know, doing the activities that, you know, I have a ping pong table at my house with with the boys. I'm doing all this stuff. But after a while, I'm like, what am I doing to help others? Is this why God has me here? And so I thought like, well, I'm not going back to medical. I'm not going to medical school. (laughs) So that ain't it. That Mm -hmm. ain't it. That ain't it. I'm like, it's, you know, we already got one family member in the service, so that's not happening either. But you know what? I can cook and I can make good food. I can make good food that um, tastes good and I can help people in that way. I was already making meal prep videos. I was already helping people in that way. But how can I get out? And not just in my community, because I, you know, live in a pretty, um, in a pretty area where people are doing pretty well for themselves. So they don't need the help to be honest, that I could give. So I needed to go somewhere where I felt like it would be meaningful. Like, you know, where I was stepping away from my house for good reason, because it was also dangerous, right? There's a pandemic out there. They have how we're going to heal people. And so if it's really going to be worth it, I want to go someplace where I'm helping people that do not have access to fresh food, do not Mm -hmm. have access to fresh spinach or fresh fruit. And the area, mm-hmm. the restaurant, they didn't have walking distance. They could not get any fresh vegetables, fresh fruit, anything that is not fried. They did not have access to in walking distance. And so I thought this would be the perfect place. Now, other people said you were crazy. Of course. Wow. Right. But this one was full of Right, right. And it became a little overwhelming, you know, at, at times because I thought, well, this is kind of like where I grew up. It looks exactly like this. And I wasn't afraid to be there. So why should I be afraid of my own people? That's right. That's right. Go into the community and tell them that I'm here. um, Introduce myself and ask permission. I would go to the barbershops and to the beauty salons and where women were getting their hair braided and say, hi, my name is Jaja. And uh, I have a restaurant called Exposed Vegan. Introduce myself and start to form a relationship with this community. And that's Mm -hmm. when I started to feel like, okay, I have a purpose during the pandemic. There's something that I can do to help our people and to educate people. And um, this is just something that I think would make me feel good about myself every day. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Well, you know, we, we all, those of us that, you know, read about this and learn about this, and I'm far from a nutritionist, I'm far from a medical doctor, but what I do know is, When you start reading those social determinants of health and they're talking about the entire context, you know, it's not just about, oh, let me go to my family doctor or look, insurance. We we won't even go into that's a whole nother podcast in and of itself. But what are the things that I need to be doing for that wellness piece, not the knee jerk? Oh, my God, I need help because I'm at the end of my rope. And that's when you get into 
you know, reminding ourselves of the privilege of, oh, I can walk into my kitchen right now and get fresh fruit and fresh vegetables and, you know, clean water, you know, all of those things. I have the privilege of getting up and doing that right now. But for the people that have to take two buses and a train to get a pack of spinach. Yeah. That's yeah. what we're talking about. That's who we're yep. talking about. Yep. And reminding ourselves that it's it, the, the way it is for us is not that way. Like I have three grocery stores within less than a three mile radius of my home that all have fresh everything, even stuff I don't want to eat, but it's there. Mm -hmm. there. And so, you know, reminding yourself that, oh, not everyone lives this way. And some people are going down to either the bodega on the corner or they're going down to the dollar store that might have a little bit of a produce case of something possibly frozen. Mm -hmm. They don't have what we have. They don't have what we have. And so what was the response when you go rolling into your captive audience in the salon? Like, here I Right. Uh, some were very welcoming. Others were like, that's nice. But if I know anyone that's vegan, then I will point them in your direction. So it wasn't like, hey, I'm here. You know, everyone mm-hmm. was like, okay, do you need an appointment? You know, it wasn't, it wasn't going to be, it wasn't going to be easy at first. Just yes. because I had an idea, it was going to be yeah. work. Um, and I had to, you know, get the media involved and I had to mm-hmm. ask friends um, if they could share on social media. I had to do That's the work. Right. I had mm-hmm. to have a plan. I had to put the capital in there, um, which was my own. So yes. I, just, I had to do it. And especially mm-hmm. at the time where banks weren't taking people in person, <laughs> they were doing everything online. Like everything right. was closed when I'm trying to open a business. It was very difficult. And so not only the response, but the resources were not available to me for me to do mm-hmm. all that at that time. Um, right. right. I, I think I learned so much from it. I learned really what hard work looks like starting from the ground up. And I taught mm-hmm. my kids what hard work looks like because they were my first employees, every single one uh, of them. Hey, there you go. Exactly. So, um, each were creating recipes. My daughter was on smoothies. My son was on cookies. I had the other one who was peeling and was doing social media and TikTok. He was teaching me everything that I needed to do because he's 12 and that's of course what they do at that age. And so everyone was employed. <laughs> exactly. This 11 year old schools me every day. I'm yeah. like, what is this? Yeah. Yeah. So it was hard, but, um, you know, it, it taught me a lot. Um, and mm-hmm. I, I wouldn't ask for any of that time or money back from everything mm-hmm. about getting that whole thing started. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, and, and that brings me to, because I realized that, you know, it's kind of like the plane taking off, you know, it takes much more energy and power to get it up. But once you start cruising, that's different. And when I think about it, because I remember when you launched your both your book and your journal, and you were just even before that, actually, where you would post about, you know, just stopping and thinking about, OK, what in the world is going on? Let me center myself. Let me figure out what's my next best step, that type of thing. How do you keep all of this? I don't even want to say balance because I'm not even sure I believe in balance. But how do you keep all of this moving at the same time, given that there's some people that solely run their business and that's it. And there are certain people that are solely athletes and just go to their corporate job. And there are certain people that are solely uh, a military spouse and you are weaving it together. And I know that you have some type of science, behind, either some type of science or magic behind it that's making it all work. But how are you weaving all that together? I mean, I, I try to think about what my goals are. 
And I think that changes every six months. Um, most recently I lost my mom in July. And so now my goals have significantly changed. I plan on getting out more. I'm redesigning the food truck. I'm getting away from the storefront to really get out more into different communities because that's not the only community that needs help. And so you'll see a lot more of that. Me just being out either endurance races, helping people educate women, um, because I think once, you know, seeing is believing. And so I, I don't want to just hide behind doors. I want to get out more. And so that's what you're going to see a lot of. But every single, I'd say month, I evaluate, are we still doing the right things? I do it with my husband. I do that with my kids. And I look at their goals. And then I think about what are my goals? How do I make sure that I can support them? And then when there's things that are outside of that, I say no. Um, if there's things mm-hmm. that are not al- you know, aligning to where I want to go, things that are interrupting my mental health, I say mm-hmm. no to things that are not in line with my goals. Is this really where I want to be? And I always in the middle of the night have these crazy ideas and I send it to my husband and he's like, I thought your goal was this. And then I have to think, is did my goal shift or did I just get distracted like squirrel? No, you're right. That wasn't really- I... right back I saw something that looked really pretty um recognizing those pretty things take work they start ugly <laughs> so he's right. let me continue to march toward this unless my goal shifts now if my goal shifts and that's okay that means I probably have to take a step back it's going to be a little ugly for a moment but I try to and I have everything all over whiteboards there's a whiteboard two whiteboards in the kitchen yes, there's, a yes. Here, there's a whiteboard in the garage and I yes. have my phone just to remind myself of my goals my family's goals my husband's goals and are we still marching towards that and when the mm-hmm. things start to come up because life happens like my mother passing away it's like yes. okay what is the goal now we still want to live life but you know are we waiting for certain things? You know, what am I waiting for? And that's what she told me with the book. I was sitting by her bedside and she's, I told her, I said, like, you know, what? I think I could help so many more people if I just wrote things down in the book. Well, she looked over at me and said, well, what are you waiting for? Are you sitting here with me? <laughs> so it's just like, what is my goal? What, what do I want yes. to leave my kids with? What kind of legacy do I want to leave? And that's yes. where I, I constantly reevaluate. And when it's not tied to that or becomes too much, I say no. Yes, 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 absolutely. Well, and and I love how definitively you said that no the first time, because what I find is, especially with women, we say no, and then there's all this extra tail disclaimer, let me give you a whole dissertation on why with the no, and you stopped and you said no not aligned with my goals no and that's it and and I think that's how we we get caught up where we're trying to explain our no and then we end up pulling ourselves right back into what we just said no to yep now the answer is no period end of sentence I'm not I'm not having this discussion with you period which I love um but you know you bring up a great point especially when it comes to uh parents and loss of parents and um you you resonated with me on something that you just said because um a lot of people don't know I did not put this on social media this is the first time y'all hearing this little tidbit um my mother is a walker um Jaja you probably um I think I told you all in in the fast chicks group about this um but my mother was walking one morning 
where she usually does right across the street from my 97 year old grandmother's home at an elementary school. Um, and she was chased by two dogs. Um, and fortunately the dogs did not get to her or, or bite her or attack her, but they did charge her and she's 67, right? So they charged her, she fell. And, um, you know, how most people would do as a reaction, you fall and you try to catch yourself, um, and broke both wrists and was in, you know, this recovery for, you know, at least four months. And this was around mother's day. And so I'm thinking to myself, what if this whole thing went left? I mean, I know it's not pleasant and she had more back injury than wrist injury and so forth, but what if she was no longer here? How would I be comporting myself in a different way right now? And, you know, as I went to visit with her as she was healing and recuperating and doctor's appointments and so forth, and she said something very similar to your mom. She said, look, whatever you want to do, go for it. Okay, whatever it is, do not hold back. Yes, make sure your family is taken care of, make sure you are healthy and safe, but chase it, go for it. And I've been in that mindset the whole time, you know, it, it really crystallizes your direction and your focus on things. So I appreciate you um, sharing that about your mother um, and how to take care of yourself in those moments, because when my mother was recovering, you know, I was a four hour drive away and it was a little bit of a mild grief that I couldn't be with her more often. So I can only imagine, you know, your grief of now, you know, physically not being able to be with her at all. How have you been managing that, that grief piece of things? I had to remind myself and I love my village that reminds me that it is okay not to be okay. I have days yes. that are mentally horrible. Um, even in the mornings, people, it's so funny. People are like you get up early, What they don't realize is that was my time with my mother. Every single morning, my mom was an early riser. She talked to me at 4am and I would tell her, you know, the ideas I have and I'm an only child. And I would talk, 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 talk in the morning, tell her all my thoughts about things. And she would just listen. And I say, okay, mom, I'll see you later. I'm going to go for a run. And then after the run is over, I tell her about the run on my way. And then she said, oh, tell me, tell my grandkids, whatever. And she'd be on FaceTime. They say, good morning, grandma. You know, and they'd, you know, talk to her. I'd make breakfast, take them to the bus. Okay, mom, talk to you later. Every single morning I talk to my mother. Yes. So I had to keep that routine. Mm -hmm. I had time periods where I was like, what am I going to do with myself? I don't have that time where I talk to my mom. And so now the mornings have been very therapeutic. I've had times where I cry. Mm -hmm. I've had times mm -hmm. where I'm like, mom, I'm still doing it. You know, where I'm just like confirmation that she's yes. still with me because I'm still up doing it early in the morning. Mm -hmm. um, but it's very hard. And there's no, your parents don't leave you, you know? So it's not like, that's you know, right. that's in right. a couple of months, it's like, you'll get over it. It never leaves you. So mm -hmm. I, I'm thankful that I had all those moments with her. I have recordings of her. We spent so much time traveling and doing things together. And she saw the world. She did a lot of missionary work. Um, a lot of the stuff yeah. that she did for missions are behind me. And things yes. came back um, mm -hmm. to go and visit those different countries. And I think that's why now I'm like, what country you want to go to? Let me see if there's a race. And um, right. grandma went here. Let's see if we can go there and if there's something else we can do there. And so um, it's it's very difficult. It's very hard. Yes. Something that I'm continuing to get up every morning and just try and try mm -hmm. to live my life. And remember that my mother was a wonderful person mm -hmm. and that it's okay not to be okay sometimes. 
times and that mm-hmm. I have to give myself that to realize yes. that for me not to be okay. Yes, 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 absolutely. And you know, it, it reminds me of my, um, my grandfather who practically raised me as my dad. And I didn't know as a little boy that he really loved to swim. Um, and so I, I have, I'm talking about severe swim anxiety. And so when it's blue sky and I can swim around and I can look up in the sky and I'm just kind of talking to them as I'm swimming, that type of thing. There are just some things that do bring you solace that you would have never imagined would bring you solace in those moments. I appreciate you being, you know, there's some days where I'm like, hey, pops, what's going on? You know, I'm in a good mood talking to him. And then it's other days like, ah, where? I wish you were here. And so in, in taking it day by day, moment by moment, um, I remember there was this quote that I, um, I can't remember the whole thing, but it talked about um grief being like luggage some days it's light and some days it's heavy and mm-hmm. so just you know whatever day you're dealing with deal with it in that moment so I, I I've been trying to do it similarly but I I cannot imagine and I'm an only child as well so o- only child and only grandchild on my uh, mother's side Thank so that's when it gets yeah. yes and so I it is for my grandmother now I'm there every other day yes. I make her food Yes. You got to make her a bunch of stuff and go and a different temperament (laughs) that my mother, my mother was more positive. My grandmother's a lot more groomy where she's like, out there, don't do this out there. You know, it's going to rain. It's going to snow. It's going to do this. And I'm like, and I'm going to live. And that's right. Tomorrow with your stuff, grandma. (laughs) Don't catch cold while you're out there running around, baby. Exactly. Exactly. You you know, yes. (laughs) And I'm like, and I will be okay. (laughs) <laughs> exactly. There you go. Exactly. Exactly. Well, look, you you mentioned, I mean, we could go on. You mentioned about, you know, every six months or so. And I wanted to ask this question, just projecting way far out into the future, maybe in, you know, 10 years into the future. What would you want to see for yourself, your business, your family, your everything that you care about? What would you want to see, you know, projected out into those 10 years? You know, I see one, my children all over the world. So, um, I have oh, so we that- traveling? I, I, yeah, I'm, we a, traveling. I'm a traveling auntie. Yeah. Okay. Um, yeah. You're, you're a traveling auntie. Cause I could see Jason touring all over the world. Yes. Uh, with his shows and, um, my daughter loves saving animals and she, um, is going, she's going to school to be a veterinarian. So I could see her being in some place where she's, um, Yes. you know, saving something in type of da- endangered species or something like that. Right. Um, right. And, and Zion, you know, he's a musician, so I could see him. So I could see myself traveling and wherever I would be, I could see myself either having working with a clinic or having some type of place where I'm teaching people about food and having mm. a spot in each one of wherever my children are. Um, and me and my husband traveling, I just see myself all over the world and still encouraging women to move and still having some type of a place where I'm, you know, partnering with the physician um, on food and mm-hmm. we'll eat the right things. Cause that's just going to be here for a long time mm-hmm. We're gonna mm-hmm. put preservatives and things in food. Cause that's just where the money is. Right. And, um, but there's always going to have to be someone to help them create that balance and demonstrate mm-hmm. what it looks like. And I see myself as that person and I mm-hmm. see myself doing that all over the world, not just in Charlotte. And so mm-hmm. wherever my kids are planted, I think I'm going to plant a spot there and constantly mm-hmm. spreading the love and uh, traveling with my husband and uh, just keep spreading the good news about food and how it's messy. Yeah. Yes. Well, look, let me tell you something. 
when Food Network calls, remember your friends, okay? <laughs> remember your friends. I'll carry your bag. I'll cut some onions, whatever you need. I got you. I got you. Um, no, but but it's it's so profound what you're saying because food is, <laughs> like people say, food is life, but it is truly life wellness, health, it's central. You know, I, I keep thinking about Maslow's hierarchy of needs. It's like, come on now, this is a must. And so therefore anyone that is working with food, distributing food, sharing food with the world is going to be a central part of everyone's life at some point. It's just a matter of where you're going to do it, how you're going to do it. And it sounds like globally, which I'm so excited about. So look, if I need to get to a point, I am 15 minutes away from BWI airport. Yeah. Yes. I, I will be there. I got you. I got you. But that's what I will carry the water. I see us. Exactly. I will carry the water, the bed, whatever is needed. I can, I I mean, what a knife. Okay. I mean, what a knife. Um, But no, I appreciate you so much for taking the time because, like I said, this has been a goal of Unfazed to have you on because we we believe in food. Lisa, Lisa and I both believe in food. We believe in good food. I'm not a vegetarian, uh, but Lisa is. And so I, enjoy um being critical of these restaurants that only have a salad on a menu for Lisa when we go places you know what I mean and so I just appreciate how we connect with you and your story on so many different levels and so thank you for being with us um and we're excited to share your story even more so with the world so we can um we can say when you go global we knew her we knew her exactly exactly and we'll be together we'll be in this together so it won't be just Uh it's all about the community. So we'll be together. Look, I'm at the airport waiting on y'all. Okay. I'm <laughs> at the airport waiting on y'all right now. So thank you so much for being here with me. And look, we have to do it again, wherever you're from, maybe with Italy in the backdrop. How about that? Right. Exactly. Unfazed, a podcast produced by Feisty Media and supported by the Outspoken Summit edited and produced by the fabulous Millie Perry. Email us at info at umphasepodcast.com and find us on social media at try to defy at Dr. Gold Speaks or at Outspoken Women and Try. I'm Lisa. I'm Shauna. Thanks for listening. Stay unfazed, folks. See you next time. <laughs>